Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, I hope your August is off to a good start, good running start here, as uh, it is the Monday of the 18th week in Ordinary Time. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. And so glad to have you joining us during this hour of The Inner Life. So have you been watching any of the Olympic coverage over the last week or so? Do you have a favorite event? Do you maybe gravitate towards the things that we saw earlier in the week, the gymnastics or the swimming? Uh, Now we're into some of those track and field events, or do you keep tabs on maybe one of the lesser televised events, maybe one of those new sports, one of the four that were included? I did happen to catch a little bit of the skateboarding, uh, one of those new sports that were included in the Olympics. Our family has watched at least a little of that coverage every day since the opening ceremonies a little over a week ago. Now, my wife, she was part of a gymnastics team when she was young, so that's her favorite part of the summer games. I was a runner. I was a sprinter in high school and college, and so I always try and keep up with all the different track and field events. And last night, we were watching where the coverage was going back and forth between the women's 1,500 qualifying heats, and then there was the men's hammer throw. And as we were watching the men throw the hammer, this heavy metal ball at the end of a steel wire, my son Elijah, he was sitting there on the couch and he said to me, it it looks like they're almost spinning out of control before they release it. And I had to agree with him because it did look that way. You know, how fast those men are spinning before they launch that hammer into the air. And all of these men, they had somewhat the similar form and the technique and the way that they would throw the hammer. And if you haven't watched this, Well, what happens? They step into a circle, and they have to complete the throw without stepping out of that circle. I think it's the same size as the circle, if you've watched ever, the shot put or the discus throwing events. And it might even be the exact same one that they're using there on the field. But if they step out of that circle, they foul out, and their throw won't count. And so they start off at the back end of this circle. They're holding on to the wire. There's a handle on one end. The heavy ball is hanging down at the other end of the wire. And while they're stationary, standing still, their feet are planted there in that back area of the circle, they start swinging that hammer in a circular motion two or three times, kind of going over their head. And once they've got that initial momentum there, then they start spinning their entire body around by doing this kind of complex heel-toe movement. And they spin around three, four, maybe five times, spinning faster each revolution. And they start moving toward the front of the circle. And while they're spinning faster each time around, uh, around they still have to be in that control, uh, control of that momentum 
because they don't want to step out of that circle and foul out. And so finally, after all of that spinning, after all that quick buildup of that velocity, then they release the hammer and they watch it just soar out into the field, hoping to heave it further than any of their competitors. And last night when we were watching this, most of them were somewhere in the 73, 74, 75, 76 meter area. Uh, so a good, good long throw. But when Elijah, when he told me that it looked as if the men competing in the hammer throw, they were spinning out of control, I responded and said, well, you know, to get this, to this level of competition, each of these athletes, within that process of throwing, they'll have practiced each part of their movements over and over and over until they have that part of their form as close to perfect as possible. And they'll work with their coach They'll have, uh, they'll, they'll deconstruct all of those little details, all of the small parts of the movements, the angles that they're using, until they can execute those movements reliably every time that they step up to throw the hammer. And more than just practicing, they'll even go back to the video footage of their throws from prior meets, prior events, prior practices, and they'll look at all the aspects of their throwing. Did the rotation move how it should? Is there any opportunity to improve on the foot movement to gain any more speed while spinning? Was the hammer released at the desired angle to achieve the farthest dis distance possible? And so the athlete and his coach, they'll examine all aspects in minute detail if they want to have the best chance of winning gold at the summer games. Now, when it comes to our faith life, St. Paul, he goes kind of back to those track and field events. Being a Christian, he compares it to running a, a race. And he uses this metaphor more than once there in the New Testament scriptures. And just like when you train for any kind of sport, it's natural to focus on looking forward, getting stronger and faster, building those muscles or building your endurance. But if you want to be the best at your sport, you have to not only look forward in building your strength and building your speed, you also need to take time and look back at how you have performed when you're competing so that you can identify areas where you can improve. You can see those weak points that need work. And that's what we want to talk about during this hour of the inner life. We want to specifically talk about it when it comes to our conscience. How do you take that time to look back and do an examination of conscience? How often do you do that? To look for those weak points in your spiritual life, to identify areas where you can improve. Do you know how to examine your conscience? Joining us here today on the program as our spiritual director and helping us look at how we can understand and better examine our consciences, it's Father Eric Nielsen. He's a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin. He's the pastor of St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of University of Wisconsin in Madison. And Father Eric, so glad to have you back here on The Inner Life. So have you been watching any of the Olympic Games uh, this last week? You know, I haven't had much time. I watched one little segment of the women's eight rowing team in like their quarterfinals. It was a very, very moving experience to watch all those women rowing their hearts out to, to finish that race. Do you have a favorite event that you, you uh, try and keep up with during the Olympics? Um, not really. I would say to me, there's two reasons to watch the Olympics, um, a women's, women's gymnastics and women's, um, ice skating in the winter. So I think those are like the two peak, you know, Olympic things to watch, but you know, I enjoy, if I turn it on and I watch something, I enjoy it. It's always, it's always enjoyable to watch people, um, compete who are really good at what they do. 
Yeah, it, 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 I, it's probably my favorite sporting event, even above, you know, watching football or basketball or some of the other, you know, maybe more American staples that we have year in and year out. I just always enjoy the Olympics. But like I was talking about, we want to use that kind of idea of looking back, where can we improve in our spiritual lives? And talk about an examination of conscience. And I'm always a big fan of defining terms before we jump into whatever we're talking about. So I think it might be good to talk, uh, Father Eric, a little about what is our conscience? How does the church define what our conscience is? Before we start examining it, we, we might as well know what we're examining. Yeah, that's a great question. And because um, a lot of people make a mistake in that. When you examine your conscience at night, most people examine two things which are important to examine but they're not um your conscience per se because you're using i mean you're using your conscience which is your intellect to examine your sins which are your actions okay so sins are always an action something you either did or something that you refuse to do and so when most people examine their conscience, what, what they actually do is they examine their feelings, how they feel about something, or the feelings they had when something happened. Um, or they're examining other people's feelings. You know, I did this thing, and this person got really angry, so I must have done something wrong because this person is now angry, angry with me. And neither one of those things necessarily mean that you've committed, you've committed a sin. Um, so what you're really doing is you're using your intellect, your conscience is in your intellect, even a sociopath who doesn't feel any remorse over killing somebody knows in their intellect that what they did was wrong because your conscience is, is God shining his divine light into your intellect. And everybody has, uh, has that to a certain extent, right? It can be developed, it can be malformed through bad education, but your conscience is in your intellect and telling you that you did something right or you did something wrong. So does that, right. does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you, you were talking about, especially we can oftentimes fall into where we're looking at how did we feel at a certain point. And I know that's one of those things that's important when we're talking about an examination of conscience or if you're approaching the sacrament of confession just because you uh, feel a certain way, it doesn't mean that that actually was a sin. You know, uh, temptation is one of those things that just because you're tempted doesn't mean you sinned. Now, you might be really struggling with the temptation. It might be something where it causes you a lot of grief, and you really need to take that to prayer, and you need to ask for, uh, you know, the, the strength given by the Holy Spirit. But I think it's really important for us to not get the feelings or the temptations or different aspects of that, uh, get that confused with what you were talking about. Sin is an action. You know, there has right. to be that, that deliberate action. And, you know, whether, whether it's something that we're, we have full knowledge of what we're doing or we have partial knowledge or, you know, there's kind of that ignorance of our actions, there still has to be that action. Um, because that, that's one of those things that I hear a lot of people talk about, oh, I just, I struggle with this. Or, you know, it's a temptation that I'm always facing. And there can seem like there's this burden on their shoulders that they almost equate temptation with sin itself. Yeah. Now, you, you have to be a little careful there, especially with um, 
you know, I mean, most people that really get up, you know, struggle with this, struggle with sexual temptation because, you know, it can really feel ugly and dirty and we just don't like it. Now, if we, if we have a sexual temptation or maybe even a temptation to, you know, act vengeance against our brother for one, maybe that's the temptation. I just really want to hit my brother over the head with a baseball bat or, or with a, you know, pine cone or something. And if we take the light in that and our will starts to attach to it by, by the delight that it takes in that temptation, then there is, there's a certain amount of sin in that. It's generally not a, a serious sin. Um, it's not a mortal sin. It's not something you necessarily need to confess. And it's not something that keeps you from communion. But there is sin if your will, in a certain sense, attaches to that temptation that, that you have because it's an action. You're, you're taking taking a certain sense of a type of delight in that. But again, we don't want to be too scrupulous about that. It's right. it's not a moral sin unless you give your will entirely over to it. So if you want to hit your brother over the head with a pine cone, you take delight in that idea. That's a venial sin, but if you actually set your will to go about and do it, well, you know, now it now it's more of an, a, a greater <laughs> sin because you're right. taking a definite action to it. Right. Well, so let's, let's kind of talk then. Uh, you know, we've talked about what our conscience is, looking at the intellect, but you even said the person who might murder someone, even if they don't show remorse for it intellectually, they know that it's something that society frowns upon, that, that this is something that is not acceptable uh, in the whatever status they have in our world. It's not accepted to murder other people. So if there's not that remorse, how do we go about forming our conscience so that it is well-formed, that, that we don't ignore how we should respond in those moments where we are doing something that, you know, whether, whether we talk about it as a, a wrong just because of civil law or whether we talk about it being truly a sin. How do we form our right. consciences correctly? Yeah, that's 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 a great question. Now, first of all, just to reiterate something, you know, as I say, if you know, feeling bad about something doesn't make it a sin. The last example, you know, you're driving your car and you run over somebody's puppy that runs in front of the, the road. You're gonna you're gonna in front of your car. You're gonna feel bad about it, but it's not a sin. You didn't you didn't act on that. Okay, but let's say that um, you're you just your brother is late all the time to, to meals and he, he's always late. So whenever you invite him to meal, he's really late and you get really mad and frustrated at him. And suddenly he comes in late and you say, sorry, no food for you. You're too late. You kick him out of the house and you feel really good about it. And then you reflect on it later. Go, you know, that I overreacted, you know, that was, that was the wrong thing to do. But, you know, he deserved it. I don't feel bad about it at all, even though I know it's wrong. Okay. So how are you going to correct that? And it's important to correct that because uh, we, true virtue, true Christian virtue is having our heart always aligned with the good. So that's what we're trying to do. And we first, to get, to get our heart aligned with the good, you know, what helps a lot is just doing right actions, even when our heart doesn't feel like it. This is why in our life we always have to, you know, when you when you were a little kid and your mom said, you know, tell your brother you're sorry, even though you didn't feel sorry at all, you know, you did that action that helps align your heart towards the good. 
So what are we going to do? We, we got to realize, first of all, our heart is not perfect. It's not always aligned towards the good. And the person who's going to heal my heart is Jesus Christ. And so that's why I'm receiving the Eucharist regularly. That's why I'm saying my prayers. That's why I'm meditating on the Sacred Heart of Jesus. My life of piety and my sacramental life is going to start to change my heart. It's going to take from me my stony heart and give me a fleshly, natural heart. Okay? Now, but a very important thing is I'm going to go to confession. And in order to have the sorrow that you need to be forgiven of your sins, it's enough. I mean, obviously, if you had real contrition for that and felt really bad about it and you came in there with tears in your eyes, I can't believe I did this to my brother, you know, good for you. But if you're still feeling like he deserved it, and I don't feel bad about this, you go in there with two attitudes. First of all, um, I know this is wrong. It was the wrong thing to do. And I am not, with God's grace, I do not want to do something like this again. Okay? Now, that's imperfect contrition. It's not the best of contrition. But it's enough contrition to get grace from the sacrament. And especially if you can look at the fact, and this will help a lot too, my, this person that I offended is a child of God, um, loved by God, and it was wrong for me, God, to hurt one of your children. And so if you can see it as an offense against God more than an offense against your, um, your brother, you know, that will help us as well. And then little by little over time, um, our heart gets perfectly aligned to what is true, good, and beautiful, and, and then we die a state. So that's, that's the goal, the goal then of the spiritual life. Right. <laughs> if we're going to die a saint, that, <laughs> that's, that's a good place to wind up, Father. Yeah, yeah. So, Absolutely. well, how do we then, so taking your example, uh, I, my brother, he's driving me crazy. He deserves exactly what I'm doling out to him there, even though I know it's wrong. How do I look for those areas? I'm, if I've identified that one, what about the areas where I haven't identified that I need to work on forming my conscience in other areas? Is that something where I pray for the grace from God that I recognize those areas? Do I need to uh, you know, spend more time doing an examination of conscience? How do I kind of get into those areas that I might not know as I'm trying to form my conscience? Yeah, so, so if you look at your life, you know, when you first, you see this, when you first start to reform your life, it's kind of like a living room with a, um, a lot of chairs in the wrong place tipped over. You know, there's big messes over here. And, you know, you clean those all up, you straighten out the chairs, and, you know, the room looks nice. And then, but suddenly, you know, you open up the blinds, and now you see, you know, the dust, and you see the stains on the walls, and a little bit, bit of a peeling wallpaper, and now it's time to really get to work. And another thing, too, is so that, that's kind of what we're trying to do, you know, shed God's divine light onto your soul. And when you go to, so there's a number of things you want to do. First of all, when you go to confession, a lot of people, I, I once lived in, with this family, I was a college student, and I cleaned up their house for them for, free, for a free room. And we shared the washer and dryer. And one day, one of the little kids was doing the laundry, and I went in there, and the, the washer was making a lot of noise. And all the laundry, it was stuffed with laundry. The soap was dry on top of it, and it was set on, you know, cold, small load, right? 
And obviously that laundry isn't going to be clean. A lot of times we just feel like if I just come to confession and just go to confession, everything will get better. But it's kind of like just throwing a bunch of laundry in the washing machine, expecting all the stains to come off. If you're going to take out a stain in a piece of clothing, you really have to look at it. You have to scrub it, pre-treat it, you know, and maybe you have to do it a couple times. So what you want to do to really start to form your conscience is to pick one thing that you truly want to grow in. You know, that I, I'm always late or I'm always short with my husband. When, he, I, when I get annoyed, I do that and really focus on that. And I'm going to bring this to confession. And when I go to confession, I'm not going to confess something abstract like, you know, I told a lot of lies. You know, if lying is my problem. I'm going to really pinpoint, you know, the particular worst lie that I said. You know, the other day I, I lied about my weight. I told somebody I weighed 145 when I really weigh 160. You know, and just say it just very concretely and specific. Not all of your lies, but just the one you feel sorry about the most. And by being concrete in particular, it's a little bit more embarrassing, but what that does is it opens up more grace into your heart from that confession. And then little by little, as you work on that one thing, you're going to become more enlightened to the other things that you are also doing wrong in your life. You know, our God is very patient with us. And, you know, when a pupil comes to an instructor who's trying to learn how to golf, and he sees the golf string. He doesn't try to correct the whole swing at once. He corrects a little piece at a time. And that's the way God wants to work with us. You know, he corrects a little piece of our character, you know, one bit at a time. But then the second thing you can do, too, is, is just, you know, read the catechism on the moral life. You know, just re read a good book on, you know, moral theology. And... You know, all of a sudden you'll start to read things that you're like, wow, you know, I got to stop doing that and start doing this. So just to develop the intellect through reading the catechism or reading the lives of the saints will also help in kind of, you know, cleaning up that room of your of yours. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think I, that that's a great suggestion because there are a lot of things. I remember the very first time I read through, oh, this would have been when I was maybe 14, 15 years old, and I read through Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, and he has a section in there on pride. And I had never come across that, you know, oh, this is, a, you know, such a root sin of almost anything else that we're going to deal with. And so, yeah, it just changed my entire approach to, wow, I'm always putting myself in front of others. I mean, that's just, <laughs> I am yeah. such a prideful, selfish person. And well, you, you learned that at 14? Uh, well, I, I, I learned that it was a sin. Now, you know, it, working that's on great. It. That's great. I, I think I was 32 <laughs> when I came to that conclusion. So oh, that's funny. That's great. Our spiritual director today, Father Eric Nielsen, a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, we're talking about examination of conscience. And how has doing that regular examination of conscience helped you to be more aware of those areas in, in your life where you need to put in that extra effort? Are you allowing that divine light from God to shine on your soul like Father Eric was talking about? Has doing that regular examine, has it helped you to be more disciplined 
in avoiding sin, in, in growing in holiness. Our studio line is open right now, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And we'll continue talking about the examination of conscience, how we can uh, understand it and apply it in our lives, and how we can grow closer to Christ by doing this, and uh, how we can, how we can uh, really see that have, take that root in our lives to grow in virtue. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. More to come after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen. He's a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And today we're talking about how to examine our conscience, how to do that examination of conscience, what the benefits are, how it can help us grow closer to Christ, and how have you been able to do that in your own life? Have you done that regular examination of conscience? And what are the benefits for you? How has it helped you grow spiritually? Our studio line, 888-914-9149. Maybe you have a question. Maybe you've never done an examination of conscience and you're not exactly sure where to start. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And Father Eric, um, you know, one thing that I was thinking, we've, we've talked about what is our conscience. We've talked about forming our conscience. One thing is we're talking about looking for those areas where we can improve and, you know, we have the best of intentions. We're trying to find, you know, let that, that divine light, like you said, divine light from God kind of shine in our souls and show us those areas where we need to be more aware that we need to grow, we need to improve. There's also kind of the other side of that, that... I think we need to be really cautious that we don't try and rationalize or justify behavior that we want to continue doing, that we like to do, that goes against moral teaching of the church. You know, that's one of those things that Pope Benedict XVI has called the dictatorship of relativism. And it's so easy to justify things if we say, well, <laughs> I, I don't want to stop doing that. I want to continue. So um, that's another aspect that I was kind of thinking. It might be good to talk about just for a moment that, um, you know, if the truth is really what we're after, we can't make it just our own relativistic truth. Yeah. So that, you know, that's important is um, we have to realize that we are not our own God. And that was the, the original sin that Adam and Eve committed. You'll, you know, if you eat from the, from the tree, you will have the knowledge of good of evil and you will be like God. And so that's, that's the, that's the, in a certain sense, the primordial temptation is to develop 
your own moral code for yourself. And interestingly enough, too, that is the whole Enlightenment project. The whole project of Enlightenment over the last 400 years was for mankind to de- develop for itself its own moral code rather than to accept a code that was divinely given to it through revelation. And so that's the choice you have to make. You know, do I listen to Jesus Christ? Um, and he's the one who sets the moral code for myself, or I just listen to myself. Um, and that's where it takes intellectual humility to realize that I just cannot be my own God. So, it, it, you know, it kind of starts there. And so we receive a moral code, and then our conscience then is not what determines the moral code. Our conscience tells us whether or not I have followed it or not. So that's where people make a big mistake in conscience. They think, you know, your conscience determines what's right and wrong. No, your conscience just tells you whether or not you follow the moral code that you received. And obviously, if you're making up your own code for yourself, it becomes it becomes a lot easier. Right. So, um, so how to do that? Um, well, yeah, and that that's that's really kind of the crux of what this conversation needs needs to be. So. How do we examine our conscience? And, you know, probably the most popular form I've seen is going, it's usually an exam that follows the Ten Commandments, um, you know, goes through the different ones, and there's a lot of different kind of sub-questions under each commandment. Um, I, I, I think that's primarily the way I've seen, but I, I think there are other ones out there that maybe follow the Beatitudes or go through, you know, the virtues. Um, it, it, what, is there a favorite that you have or one that you recommend that people start with when they go and say, well, I want to examine my conscience. Where do I start? Yeah, well, first of all, to realize it's an art. Examining your conscience is not an easy thing to do unless you're scrupulous. If you're scrupulous, it's um, an easy thing to do because you're doing it constantly, <laughs> you know, and you're doing it all the time. And you're, you're probably doing it in an ineffective way, and there's a whole part of things when you're, when, if you're overly scrupulous. So the first thing I want to say is you, you really only need to examine your conscience at the end of the day. You know, during the day, we just don't want to be constantly, you know, looking at our motives and, and just judging what we're doing. During the day, we just want to act. And, uh, at the, but, you know, unless something is just staring us right in the face and I'm doing something wrong, then I got to stop it, right? So at the end of the day, um, we want to plan to spend about three minutes, probably no more than five minutes, on our knees. And the first thing we do when we get on our knees is we ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten our heart. And we ask our guardian angel, who saw everything that we did that day, to just enlighten our mind in, you know, how my day went. And what generally you would do is if you had a particular examine, like I'm I'm really working at not swearing, you would start there. Did I swear today? How many times did I swear? Um, But then what works for me, and I think this works a little easier once you've, you know, kind of been living the spiritual life for a while, is most of our sins have to do with just being lazy, not doing things that we should do when it's time to do them, either be out of fear or out of just disorder or laziness, and little lacks of charity towards other people. And so what I like to do is just systematically go through my day. You know, when I woke up, you know, when I did my prayer, 
who was that first person I met today? You know, how did my work day go? And just, just, just chronologically go through the whole day asking God to shine a light on my actions that happened during that day. So that's one way to do it. Um, that's my preferred way to do it. Okay. Um, the second way to do it is to do it, as you mentioned, and there's, then there's an endless, you know, is use some sort of formula to, you know, to like the Beatitudes or, you know, an examination of conscience, um, the commandments. Personally, you know, I find that a little tedious, um, but if you find a really good exam and it can be good, I think, to go through one of those things on retreat and, and things like that, just to kind of more enlighten your mind a little bit on two little areas that you could be working on there that they're kind of blindsided to you. Like, as you said before, Oh, I didn't realize pride was such a big sin. Right. And so a lot of times an examination of conscience like that, that you come across can, can really help you start to see things that you normally, that you normally don't see. Um, but I think one, one of the main goals of an examination of conscience at night though, is, is to start to see patterns, things that you're kind of habitually falling into so that you can improve in that area. Um, I mean, there is an advantage just doing an examination of conscience and just, you know, realizing that you're a sinner and you need God's grace, right? But you want to take it a further step than that is, no, I really want to look and try to find the one or two things that I'm really doing wrong that I, that I need to improve on. Just as you said with that um, hammer thrower, you know, that hammer, th- you know, he's, he, he wants the coach to tell him, look, you need to work on this one particular thing. And then they work on that one particular thing. Then they move to another one. Right. Right. And so that, that's, that's really the goal of the, of the exam. So let, let's go back to one of the things you mentioned earlier too. You said a lot of our sins can come down just to us being kind of lazy, you know, not putting in the effort there. <laughs> And one of the things that I, it stood out to me for years when Jesus heals somebody physically, one of his common things that he will do is say, your sins are forgiven, go and sin no more. And I think that's also another thing that's really important if we're doing that examination of conscience, but then we don't do anything with the information, you know. If we're if we're shedding that light on an, one or two areas where, oh, yeah, I really could work on that, but then we don't put in the effort. It's kind of that pointless exercise. And going back to that hammer thrower, if they, you know, or or any sport, you know, if they're going back to video footage of whatever they're doing, you know, last week's game or last week's meet or whatever it is. And they know they identify the areas for improvement, but then they don't make the changes to play that, you know, how they play the game or do the event in the future. Why even bother to review the last competition, you know? So taking the information and doing something with it, go and sin no more, like Jesus says, uh, there there has to be a follow-up more than just, okay, I've, I've identified it. I've done the examination of conscience. All is good. Yeah, I think, you know, I wouldn't get, you know, I, you make a good point there, Josh, and I, and, I, and I agree, but although I wouldn't get, as I said before, I wouldn't get too um, strict about that. I mean, just to get on your knees and to realize you're a sinner. Oh, sure, you know, like, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a positive thing. You know, even though you, you're kind of too weak and you're too lazy to get better, you know, at least you're recognizing that, which is, you know, better than the other extreme. There's nothing wrong with me, and what I'm doing is okay, right? Right. So, um you know, at least stay there. But you, 
as you point out, you're, you're not going to get better and you're short, you're sh- short changing yourself. And especially, um, it's one thing to do that, to recognize your sinfulness and okay, but not to improve on it as an examination of conscience. It's a whole other thing to take that attitude into the confessional. Um, because then you you really are kind of abusing our Lord's grace to a certain extent. Oh, okay. You know, you, you know, you know, a, 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 in your examination of conscience, you're just admitting who you are, right? I'm sorry, God. And you, but when you go into the confessional, you're using the grace that our Lord shed His blood, you know, for you directly, so that you could receive this grace. And to go in there without any desiring to change, it, that, that can be pretty detrimental. You know, in the well, old days, it kind days, of makes us a liar if we're saying, "I I firmly resolve to sin no more and to avoid the near occasions of sin." If I'm just saying those words, if that's not a real desire, even though knowing that I'm I'm struggling in this one or two areas, I still want to have the desire. I still need that desire. Yeah, to make right, that and change. that's it. Yeah, and please, Lord, increase my desire to overcome this, right? Otherwise, it kind of falls into a type of presumption. And, you know, in the old days, a good confessor, once they got to know you, wouldn't give you absolution anymore, right? Um, now, it's just in the world that we're living in right now, if a priest refuses absolution, you know, it's it'll backfire on the priest and the penitent. But when the faith is stronger and people understand what this is all about, you know, to be refused absolution would be a great grace, because it kind of wake you up, right. you know. I've got, you know, I've got to really. I just can't take this for granted. I, I've got to, I've got to change. So. You know, another thing that I guess this brings up too is if you've got that continued sin that you're you're struggling against, you know. And let's say that you you really do make some progress, but it's the one thing that you continue to bring back to confession. I've heard different priests make the comment, well, don't get discouraged. It's not necessarily a bad thing that you have that one sin that you do regularly confess because that's better than going into the confessional with lying one week and then you stole something the next week and then the next week it was taking God's name in vain and the, the next week it was yeah. infidelity to your spouse. You know, okay, you're good in a lot of other areas. You've got this one area to work on. So it's, it's the area where, you know, Satan, he knows that you're really weak there. He's going to go after you there, so you have to be all the more resolved, but it's better that you have one than a whole slew of these sins that you're having to bring to confession every week. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if you're working with one you know, sin, and let's say it's a mortal sin that you know, you're really struggling with, um, one of the ways that you see improvement in that is that as you go back to it, you're more disgusted and sorrowful that you committed it. And so that, you know, that's movement, right? Right. You know, you, you, my sorrow is increasing and my hatred of the sin is increasing, even though I keep doing it because of my weakness or whatever the case may be, you know, I'm, I'm growing in my desire to overcome it. And so, so that's, that's where you might see growth in your spiritual life, even though the, the, your, the objective committing of the sin doesn't seem to be, you know, diminishing all that, all that much. Well, but there's also, you know, you use the word disgust or sorrow, and that's different than discouragement. You know, the discouragement, yeah. I think, is the dangerous territory where if we get discouraged and we say, oh, I'm struggling with this and I never seem to make any progress, and is it even worth trying? That's a dangerous road to go down. 
if we're yeah. struggling, but we're disgusted with it, and that by itself is helping us to say, you know, I really want to resolve again every time. I want to make a firm resolution that I am going to try and avoid this. Um, th- those are two different categories there. Yeah, absolutely. Our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen, we're talking about examination of conscience. When was the last time that you made an examination of conscience? Is it something that you've seen in your own life, that it, it helps you to draw closer to Christ, helps you prepare to receive the sacrament of confession? And uh, has it helped you to be more disciplined in avoiding those regular sins that you struggle with in your life? helping you to grow in holiness. Our studio line open, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. More to come here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen, a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin. And today, we're talking about how we do an examination of conscience and the benefits uh, that, that we see in our lives, how we grow in holiness, how we can identify and hopefully avoid those different sins that uh, we see in our lives by being more in tune with what we are doing day in and day out. And uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, maybe you have a question about making an examination of conscience or you've seen the fruit of it in your own life, 888-914-9149, And Father Eric, uh, as we're talking about this, you know, you, you made the comment that once every evening, kind of at the end of the day, you know, pray to your guardian angel, ask for the Holy Spirit's work in your own life to be able to identify those areas that you need to grow, uh, ways that we can approach that. But let's say that I'm listening right now, and I'm hearing you talk about this, and I haven't been to confession in a long time, years. And I really would like to go back but I don't know exactly where to start. There's just been so much that has happened over all this time. And how do I even approach an examination of conscience? What would you recommend that that somebody does uh, at this stage in their life so that they can prepare to be able to go back to confession? You know, that's, that's a great question because it happens a lot. You know, a lot of people come by and, you know, um, I haven't been in confession for five years, six years, seven years, you know. And a lot of people think, well, you know, I go to confession, but Father, it would take too long. And, you know, there are stories of that. I think St. Ignatius, it took him two days to say his confession when he came back because the priest just said, yeah, come back tomorrow. And that's not like he was probably confessing for eight hours and then eight hours again. It's probably, he was in there for probably 45 minutes and the priest said, okay, that's enough. We'll we'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Um, You know, Uh, and, um, because, you know, it, it just wears out the priest after a while because, right. you know, you're just really paying attention to... Yeah, I mean, you have to pay attention to everything the person says because 
And this is where you can really help the priest because a lot of times people say a lot of rather um, banal things and, you know, trivial things. And all of a sudden, you know, a real serious sin will kind of pop up in there, right? And you don't, you don't want to miss that. So it's best to put the most serious stuff first um, when you go to the confessional. But most people think that if they haven't been in confession for years, that their confession is going to take a long time. And it, and it really doesn't, you know. Um, you know, five minutes is a long time for, for a confession. Usually if a person is in the confession a long time, it's because, you know, they're having a conversation with a priest about a particular moral problem. So what I would do, if I had been in a confession for a long time, I would, first of all, understand what you need to confess, which is all of your mortal sins in kind and number. And so you just have to say, okay, I committed this particular sin this many times. Or this particular sin, like let's say it's missing mass. You know, you don't have to, maybe you don't have a number, but you can say, you know, I missed mass probably, you know, every, every other week for 20 years. Or, you know, I stopped going to mass and didn't go back for like seven years. You know, just so that there's a general understanding of how many times you've committed that sin. And I would just get it, go into a church with a legal pad, um, pray a rosary. And then ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten your mind. And while you're looking at our Lord Jesus there in the tabernacle with that legal pad, you know, just go through a good examination of conscience that you downloaded off a line and just go through it. And as you go through it, be concrete. You know, don't just say, you know, you know, I was mean to my wife, right? You know, the... the the examination of conscience doesn't give you particulars. It gives you generalities. Well, don't confess the generality. The generality is there for you to look at the particular thing that you did, right? Um, and so when you just write down particular concrete things, and then if they're mortal sins, when you go in the confession, say how many times you did that one concrete thing. Um, and you only need to list your mortal sins. So what I would do if it's been a long time, I'd first... You know, these are my mortal sins that I'm very sorry for. And then, but these are other particular sins that I did that I'm particularly sorry for. And it can be something, you know, rather stupid, you know. Um, I, I left the party early without telling my brother one day and he had to walk home. You know, maybe that's not necessarily a mortal sin. You know, it's only seven blocks away. But for whatever reason, you feel really sorry for that sin. And the sins you find most embarrassing, you know, say those first. And then the rest of them will just flow like toothpaste out of a tube. You know, I remember hearing a woman uh, calling in and talking with our executive director, Father Rocky, here, because he would continue to just hammer home, you know, just go in, make your confession. And you mentioned that phrase, kind and number. And Father Rocky would talk about that. And this woman called in and said, you know, I used to always feel like I needed to go in and I needed to kind of give context and background of what was going on and why this was happening and really kind of figure out how I wanted to formulate so that I could tell the priest I'm really sorry about this. And she said, well, I tried to go in one time and just focus on the kind and the number. Not, not give all this extra detail there, but just here's the sin, here's how many times. And she said, you know what? It really allowed me to focus more on what the priest was saying in that uh, kind of little bit of advice that's given after my confession before I got my penance. And it helped me to not be so focused on me in the confession, but worried about 
what does God want from me here? And how yeah. can I work on this? So I think that's also a real benefit for that kind and number approach. Yeah, absolutely. The priest doesn't need to know the backstory. You know, the backstory is important. And a lot of times when we give you the backstory, we're, we're, we're trying to kind of justify our actions a little bit. Mm. And so I think you're absolutely right. The woman made a very good point. Um, it got her off of herself and more onto her sins, her relationship with God. And the other thing we don't need is we don't need kind of number when it comes to venial sins. You know, I said my prayers hastily 25 times. The priest doesn't, you know, need to hear that, and I don't think that's really that beneficial either. Kind and number for your serious sins. When it comes to venial sins, just, you know, a handful of venial sins that you're most sorry for, and again, and, you know, set in a concrete way. Father, we're uh, down to just the last few minutes here, but uh, I had somebody who called us and said, you know, I'm really struggling with procrastination. I love God. I want to be at the center of what I do, but I feel lost. I, I want to feel connected there. And so this sounds like somebody who is kind of putting off those areas that they know they need to work on. Any advice for that person? Yeah, I would say, you know, come up. You know, when you go to bed at night or in the morning, come up with a concrete plan that, you know, you want to do. You know, I mean, it depends what you're procrastinating. You know, I put off my rosary. All right. Um, make a promise to God. I, you know, I'm going to say my rosary tomorrow at 3 o'clock. And if 3 o'clock comes around, you don't say a rosary. Go, go into the confessional and say, I promise God I pray my rosary at 3 and I put it off till 6 o'clock. And, you know, and if you're sorry for that and you're trying to get better, you know, you'll get grace to get better and do your rosary the next day at 3 o'clock. So that's, uh, you know, just find one concrete thing that you can um, change, and, and you'll be, with God's grace, you'll be able to change it. I also want to take a, a quick opportunity to say, if you've been listening and you're saying, oh, well, yeah, I do want to make an examination of conscience. Uh, you know, Father Eric mentioned you could find one online. I'm going to do a selfless plug here for Relevant Radio and say, <laughs> if you go to our app, you can find on there a confession helper. And in that, uh, it has an examination of conscience, goes through a lot of different aspects of, uh, it follows the format of the Ten Commandments. But again, there are so many different other options out there for an examination of conscience if you look online. Well, Father, as uh, we're down here to a, about our last minute, could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing as we conclude uh, the program today? Sure, I will, but I just want to make a little shout-out to Penelope Hurst and her husband. Uh, she is a great listener of Relevant Radio. She said her spiritual life has grown tremendously through, through mm. listening to Relevant Radio, and her son just got uh, married um, yesterday, so oh, she's very happy. Wonderful. So, or two days ago, so to Penelope and her, her husband, Chris. So may the blessing of my God come down upon all of you today. May our Lord in his mercy enlighten your hearts so that with great confidence you can recognize those things that are offending our Lord and with his grace grow in holiness. And we ask this through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father Eric Nielsen, thank you so much for being our spiritual director on the program today. Of course, if you've been listening, if you joined us late and you'd like to hear part of the earlier portion of the program, the podcast is available at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Again, go to the app and you can find uh, that examination of conscience easy to find it on the right upper right corner you'll see the little pray icon and if you click on that you'll see that confession helper and that examination of conscience is right in there and of course I want to encourage you to stay tuned mass is coming up next father edward looney is our celebrant today and tomorrow we're going to talk about family life living as a catholic family and ways that we can grow as a family 
in our prayer devotion, the way that we love Christ, the way that we approach the sacraments. We're going to be speaking with Father Joseph Ilo. Hope you join us tomorrow here on The Inner Life, and have a blessed afternoon.